Sunday Sermons from Trinity UMC in Lincoln, a podcast to help on the faith journey. Now on to this week's message from Pastor Jeff Slater. I can picture it like it was yesterday. I was about 10 years old, sitting in a McDonald's on the high stools that I thought were cool, especially as a 10-year-old, and, I, uh, and my grandparents had let me get a chocolate shake with my Happy Meal. Sorry right now, parents, that's probably going to happen later today. But that wasn't a normal thing. I didn't normally get to get a chocolate shake with my Happy Meal, but my grandparents let me to this day. And so I sipped my, sh- my shake, I dipped my chicken nugget in honey, which is the only proper dipping sauce for a chicken McNugget, mind you, <laughs> and ate a fry. Now this was before the vegetarian controversy that McDonald's had in the, in, I think it was still in the 80s, you know, when, they disco- when it was discovered that they made their French fries with beef tallow and they weren't really vegetarian. Uh, However, it made them that extra crispy, right? So this is the kind of fries I'm talking about. And then came the moment where the world stopped spinning. Then came the moment where time slowed down, the moment after which life would never be the same. On a whim, I took one of those crispy French fries and I dipped it in my chocolate shake. Ah, I hear some nods of recognition. (laughs) Salt and sweet, potato and ice cream, (laughs) even savory beef tallow all combined into a bite that still rocks my world today. (laughs) Who knew? You know, to me, shakes weren't a beverage, they they were a dessert. I never would have thought of a french fry and a chocolate shake. It was a novelty to me even to have ice cream along with the main meal. And fries and shakes are basically opposite. One was salty and one was, uh, one was salty and crisp and savory, the other sweet and creamy. One was hot, one was cold. And yet these flavors so different somehow made one another even better. And that's what gets us into our topic for today. You know, we're doing this series now called Down in the Dirt, How to Be Christian While Voting. And I want to say straight out that the title is a pun because it's not about getting your hands dirty in the bad sense, but more in the sense of gardening. The whole metaphor for this series is that our society is like a garden. We're talking about the civic soil. Uh, And we told the parable of the sower. We talked about good soil and bad soil, how some seed falls on the path, uh, that the, uh, and the birds eat it up. Other seed might fall on rocky ground, and so it can't grow deep roots. And as a result, as soon as the sun comes out, it scorches it, and, it, and well, it, does, it can't draw water because it doesn't have deep roots. Other seed falls on thorny ground and gets choked by all of the thorns around it. But some seed falls on good soil. And the whole idea with this series is that it, while it is important to vote, uh, while it is important to, uh, th- that we do it as often as we can, it is perhaps more important that we work on making our civic soil more healthy and better because that's what leads to better politics too. And it's what we see in Jesus and the prophets and all of that. Voting is a seed we plant and planting is essential, but we should be spending more energy on making the soil healthier. And today's topic is going to, I almost said get into the weeds. Boy, that would have been an unfortunate metaphor. Today's topic is getting into the thick of things. And that is talking about interdependence. 
Now, the scripture story uh, that uh, you heard a few minutes ago uh, was uh, from uh, 1 Corinthians. It's a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in the city of Corinth. And that church was kind of a mess. It really was, and especially if you read some of the rest of what Paul has to say in that, uh, in that letter, you realize that, that, uh, that there were lots of problems he was addressing. But to be honest, the church in Corinth was really just reflecting the conflict and the dysfunction that was in the city that surrounded it, right? They were bringing the problems of their society into the congregation. Uh, and so it's no surprise that the, that, the, that the Christians in Corinth were fighting because the whole city was, and the result was division. Now, Paul, the one writing the letter, he had started the church there, but Paul's thing was starting churches. He traveled from place to place to place starting churches, and so after a while, he moved on to start another church, and a man named Apollos had taken over as their leader. I don't think they were using the word pastor yet, but that's essentially what it was, and he was quite different than Paul. And so what the people were fighting about in this particular moment was which one they liked better. Some of them liked Paul better and thought he was a better leader and that he was more faithful to God, whereas others made it clear that they actually liked Apollo better and were glad that he took over. Now, can you imagine something like this happening today? You, you, you can laugh nervously if you want. I do. Now, I know none of you would play favorites with pastors, but what about politics? right? Imagine if we got a perfect cross-section of Nebraska together, and we said, who here misses President Obama? And we said, who here misses President, I'm going to go back a few and say Reagan. I'll bet you would get people on both sides of that that were very passionate, that starts to remind you a little bit of Paul saying, I can't believe some of you uh, say that you like Paul better than Apollos, right? It, it, there's, a, there's a resemblance. I'm even thinking of my grandpa, who wasn't a particularly political, but he told me more than once how he liked FDR. <laughs> so, okay, with this kind of setup in mind, kind of understanding a little better what the city of Corinth was going through, let's hear that scripture again and hear what Paul had to say about these divisions. Brothers and sisters, I couldn't talk to you like spiritual people but like unspiritual people, like babies in Christ. He's talking about when he first came, right? Before they knew the gospel, before they'd learned how to be, uh, before they'd learned how to walk with God. Back then, I couldn't talk to you like spiritual people, but like unspiritual people, babies in Christ. I gave you milk to drink instead of solid food because you weren't up to it yet. Now, you're still not up to it because you're still unspiritual. When jealousy and fighting exist between you, aren't you unspiritual and living by human standards? When someone says, I belong to Paul, and someone else says, I belong to Apollos, aren't you acting like people without the Spirit? After all, what is Apollos? What is Paul? They are servants who helped you to believe. Each one had a role given to them by the Lord. I planted, Paul says, Apollos watered, but God made it grow. Now, can we, can we dwell on this a second? Do you hear how they each had a different role? Paul, who started the church, he says he planted. Apollos, who took over, watered. 
But did either of them make the seeds grow? That's not how seeds work. It was God who made it grow. Because of this, he says, neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything. But the only one who is anything is God who makes it grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together. But each one will receive their own reward for their labor. We are God's co-workers, and you are God's field, God's building. So in other words, different leaders were needed for different purposes at different times. Paul did what Apollos probably wouldn't have been very good at, planting the church. And at the same time, Apollos did what Paul is oftentimes not as good at, which is why he went on to start other churches. Both were needed, but for very different reasons. Now, since our topic today is politics, I want to be very careful not to imply that every political ideology has its place. I don't want you to leave here today thinking necessarily every politician or, or political idea uh, has some value each in its own place, right? That's not what I'm saying because there are some political ideas circulating even today that are more evil than good. I would even say that about Christian nationalism, which is on the rise, if you've read about that. That. One need only look at history to see that some political ideas call for us to stand firm against them. But can I be honest for a moment? My own political leanings are actually pretty far left when it comes to policy. But my bigger belief is that balance is just as important as progress, lest progress tear us apart. And I also believe that disagreements so long as they are civil and a disagreement in love, are what fertilizes the soil. It's our very disagreements that push us all towards better ideas and a healthier society. And for me, that belief comes from passages like this one, not to mention so many examples in the Bible. You know, the great irony of this series, Down in the Dirt, is that I have a black thumb. <laughs> I can't grow a thing. I am not a good gardener at all. I just don't have the mind for it, I suppose. And so I'll bet those of you who garden already know what I'm about to say, but I learned something new in preparing this, and that is the idea of companion planting. Now, companion planting is the idea that some plants are beneficial to other plants when they're planted nearby. Uh, so if you plant them near each other, they're better for it. Now, that makes perfect sense, but as a non-gardener, I'd never really thought about how some might be able to help others. So, for instance, cabbage and cauliflower can be eaten by cabbage worms, and that's a problem when you plant cabbage and cauliflower. But tomatoes and celery repel cabbage worms. So uh, what I learned is that if you plant tomato and celery near your cabbage and cauliflower, it, re it repels the worms and they're both better for it. And apparently, planting basil with your tomatoes improves the health of the tomatoes and the taste. Now, this is a great idea because it's true with people too. <laughs> and I think it's most obvious in thinking about uh, 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 skills. You know, one person in a household might be a good cook but bad at fixing things. And so another person in the household is better at that and they help one another. 
You know, I remember when I was young and first moved out of my parents' house, I was the go-to computer fixer for a lot of people in my church and in my workplace. You know, I would go over to their house and fix their computer, and it's a good thing because I needed their help with things that I didn't know how to do yet. <laughs> Probably still do. <laughs> and I believe the same is true with ideas and with approaches to life together. We need people who see the world differently than us so that we can all be whole. And besides, we may have different ideas on how to get there, but we are all pursuing the same basic goal, to live a happy and whole life and to share the same basic struggles. So, what do we do to recognize and honor our interdependence? And I want to offer two practical suggestions today. One of them is to pay attention to where you are choosing isolation over connection. Now, I think one of the main places this happens today is social media. Uh, and, and that's an obvious one. And the algorithms on social media sites are certainly not helping. In fact, they're responsible for most of it. Uh, but think about it for a moment. Are you seeking to understand people who think differently than you? Or on social media, have you surrounded yourself with the same things that you already agree with? I know with me, I do that more than I think. You know, where we choose to get our news from is a, a, another one where we, uh, where we isolate ourselves. We tend to isolate ourselves more than look for connection. Nah, it's even harder to do in that department. Think about your social circles in real life, not even on social media. In real life, do your social circles include uh, mostly people that you agree with? If so, then I would suggest you're missing out. I would, even suggest, I would even suggest that Paul would say you're messing out, the Apostle Paul. He probably wouldn't say it as nicely as I would. He doesn't tend to mince words. This is hard. It's hard to be around people we disagree with, but I really do think it's important. And I have another idea too. And in fact, this might be a, 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 a more of a beginner idea, which is where I think a lot of us are in this department, myself included. Uh, I've noticed that when I see political yard signs that I disagree with when I'm driving around town, my brow has started to furrow. Okay, there was a nervous laugh. <laughs> but you know what I mean? You see a candidate that you don't particularly like, and it's subtle. But you notice in yourself just a little bit of, uh, right? <laughs> and when I started noticing that happening in myself, I realized that if this gets worse, if I start getting mad at every political yard sign I disagree with, that I'm not going to be able to drive anywhere without being in a bad mood. <laughs> and that's not healthy. Now, the risk is that I start to judge not just the politicians, but I start to judge the people who live there too. And then it becomes poison to the soul. Then it becomes something truly counterproductive. So I want to suggest an exercise. When you see a political sign, try to ignore the name that's on it for a moment. Now, no, you, your brain can't help but register, but, but set that aside. And w next time you see a political yard sign, pray for the people who live there. I don't care what they believe. I don't care what, set aside for a moment what politician they're supporting, but when you see a sign, pray for the people that live there or for the business or whatever it may happen to be. Now, I know that sounds simple, 
But I've been doing it for about a week now since I had the idea, and I've already noticed a change in my own self. I've already noticed a softening. I've already noticed that my brow has stopped furrowing when I see a sign I disagree with, and instead my heart gets a little bigger when I pray for the people regardless of what they think. I can feel the difference in myself, and I think this subtle exercise might be good for all of us. Now, you know, prayer can change God, and it can change what happens in the world. But most of the time, prayer's bigger effect is on us and on our own hearts. And so maybe this kind of prayer will change the way you hold yourself. Maybe it will change the compassion that you carry for people that are different with you and for others' politics. And maybe, just maybe, that kind of prayer will prepare you to be a little more open and a little more kind the next time you have a chance for a conversation with someone with which you disagree. I certainly hope that's what happens for me. Okay, I want to end with a story that is one of the most remarkable things I've ever seen, well, read about. I wasn't there uh, particularly, though I do know the people involved. You know, before I was a pastor, I was a choir director and the, uh, the uh, pastor at a, at a Lutheran, an ELCA Lutheran church, and the uh, pastor there who had hired me as the choir director, who had taken a chance on a college kid to direct their choir, uh, her name was Sally, and she retired, and she was called to be an interim pastor at another Lutheran church uh, that some of you may be familiar with in Wichita. Uh, and it's the, uh, it's the church where Dr. Tiller went, the abortion uh, provider in Wichita, who was murdered not too long after this happened. Uh, it, was a, it was a horrible, horrible scene. And Sally, who I knew well, was uh, brought in to be the interim pastor at this church every Sunday, Every Sunday there were protesters, anti-abortion protesters that gathered outside of the church. And, uh, and I, I've heard that every time when she would go by, she would make eye contact and she would wave and she would try to be kind even though they didn't want anything to do with her. And then one Sunday, they had a barbecue picnic after church. Now, this is the kind of thing any church would do, right? To have a barbecue picnic after church. In fact, this is making me hungry for barbecue right now, right? <laughs> uh, but so they were, just picture it, picture it. They were out there having their barbecue picnic and the protesters were out on the corner. And you want to know what Sally did? She got up, she went out to the protesters with their signs, some of them with pictures, you know the drill, right? She goes out to the protesters and she says, you all look hungry. Would you like to come over and have some barbecue? <laughs> and not all of them did, but about half of them did. And they came over and they sat down at the tables and they talked about abortion. Now, I don't think any minds were changed that day, though I don't really know. But at least for 15 or 20 minutes, they sat around a table, people with vastly different thoughts on, on, on that particular topic and probably on religion as a whole, and they shared some barbecue. <laughs> that story blows my mind, and I can't imagine that it at least began to heal a divide. We need each other. We are interconnected more than we know. And we have more potential to better each other than we realize. May God bless our efforts to improve the soil.
Would you pray with me? Oh God, we give you thanks for all that you have given us, including all that you have given us in each other. Help us to recognize the way we need one another, even in this very room. But help us also to recognize how we need one another with different ideas, with different, uh, d- different sexualities, different theologies, different race. In all of it, help us to realize that we need one another. Open our eyes to see it deeply. Help us to disagree. Help us to disagree well, Lord. But may we do it in love and civility in such a way that becomes fertilizer for our civic soil. And in so doing, may we grow to see the interdependence that you teach us. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's Sunday Sermon. For more information on growth groups or how to more fully embrace the life of faith, visit us at www.trinitylincoln.org.